Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. Hello again, my goodness. Welcome back to another episode of the Media Industry Guru Podcast. I just came back from tennis and my goodness, now after my workout, I'm super stoked to interview Harrison Goldstein. He is living in Vancouver, Canada, and is the creator, founder, and host of the First Act podcast. He has worked a multitude of hats in the music industry for over seven plus years, including in sectors such as touring, brand partnerships, data science, and has a degree in management and accounting, and also a master's in software engineering. He has such a creative and analytical skill set. Let's welcome him to the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Hey Harrison, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking time out of your schedule. So how did you get involved in the music industry from a college standpoint? What drove your passion? Were there any people that inspired you? Any artists that you looked up to, etc.? Ah, uh, It's a really good question. Um, so I, let's see, back in college, I wanted to be an accountant, believe okay. it or not. <laughs> you know, not everybody, not every young boy has that dream, but um I did. I wanted to make my parents happy with a stable career. And I thought that that would be, you know, a good move. And at the time I was like, you know, I want to keep as many doors open as I can. So um, I figured that if I'm going to study business, the best thing to do in business was to study accounting. Because then if, if I don't want to be an accountant, then I could work in finance or I could work in marketing or I could work in, you know, information systems or something along those lines. But but if you study finance, then you can't work in accounting. Or if you study okay. marketing, then you can't necessarily work in finance or accounting. That's how I was thinking. But anyhow, I was about halfway through my degree. And so my sister was working in entertainment at the time um, at a comedy company, a company called Just for Laughs. They do um, a bunch of comedy festivals and comedy tours and shows and all that sort of stuff and so I got a little bit of exposure into the entertainment industry um, but our family didn't have a lot of connections and so she had put me in touch with one of her colleagues that he didn't work directly with Just for Laughs like he was an independent comedy producer and comedy manager he had an experience from Toronto and ended up being sponsored to for his work permit to go work in the states and so it was a good it was a good person for me to get in touch with anyhow um so he he and i went out for drinks in toronto and i told him that i was really passionate about the music industry and my whole thing was i want to revolutionize the music industry <laughs> and I, whatever the hell that meant right <laughs> like when i'm like tw 20 or 21 or something and i remember he's like yeah but what does that mean what does that mean and i was okay. like uh you know, he was like hitting me with hard questions and he was like, okay, how are you going to do that? How are you going to, you know, like he's really prodding anyhow. So he said, how many shows have you been to? Like, when was the last show that you went to? And I was like, oh, I, 
I, I know that I went to like a John Mayer show and like, you know, I'm like listing off like random con- concerts that I'd been to throughout my life. And he was like, stop. He's like, if you're stumbling over if it was last night or two nights ago, that's fine. He's like, but if you're like, oh, maybe it was eight months ago and I went to another one before that, went to a festival a couple of years ago. Like that's, he said, that's bad. He said, you need to start going to more shows. You want to work <laughs> in music, you need to actually go and like appear and people need to know who you are. And I didn't really understand what that meant. I was like, but I don't really know anybody. And how am I going to meet people? And anyhow, so this guy, his name's Jake Bo. So shout out to Jake, my very first mentor in the music industry, even though he worked in comedy. Um, he gave me a lot of books to read, a lot of articles about people to look up. Um, and he was really just like a mentor to me and just a person that I can bounce ideas off of when I was first getting started. So like when I was around, when I was your age, I'm not much older. I'm, I'm, <laughs> a throwback. I'm 29. Yeah, I'm, Getting I'm only nostalgic. 29. Yeah, it's it's my first Forbes interview. <laughs> uh, how many times are you gonna hear that? Oh gosh, um, I've already heard it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I didn't really know what I was doing, and I was trying to get internships, and I was like, mm. I didn't even really know much about the major agencies, and like. Jake was just like beating me up like with his words you know he was just like you need to get your shit together you need to start learning about who the players are and you need to know who runs these companies and you know who knows who and you need to be one of these people that knows people and I was like fuck how do I do that okay can I swear sure <laughs> cool um yeah so I uh in my last semester I did a semester abroad in England and I ended up getting an internship at or just kind of like volunteering my time at like this tiny little music festival called mm-hmm. the Hockley Hustle and it was in uh, Nottingham England okay. small town very tiny festival it was mostly for charity and um, I just wanted to be close to the music and I was like you know I want to make Jake proud and be like want to you know want to be going to a bunch of shows and meeting the artists and mm-hmm. anyhow going so the way I got that that volunteer spot was actually kind of unique because it was my first opportunity in the music industry and I had no experience. Um, I was teaching guitar lessons as one does when they're on exchange um, on their own dime and you know trying to make a little bit of beer money or something and um, the kid I was teaching guitar lessons to was like yo like you want to work in the music industry there's a music festival that's happening this weekend you should check it out. Anyway so I I went to go check it out um online and i was like where do interns go or volunteers like how can i get involved and get some experience so i can beef up my resume and also like get some real experience right like meet artists and maybe meet managers or agents or label people or meet the people that are organizing this shit so there was nowhere on their website or like even like on like like i could like write them on facebook i guess but like i didn't get a reply and so I just went on all of their photos from every single year. And I was like, where do interns show up? Hi, this is Harrison. Where do interns show up? On every single picture. I was liking everything and I was liking everyone's <laughs> comments. I was just being like, a, I was like spamming. And eventually they, they were like, Harrison, stop. You don't need to write on everything. Like you show up at this time, this place. And I was like, sick. It was the hustle. You know, you got to like, <laughs> you got to push through. And I learned that from a book. Uh, the Operator by Tom King. It's all about like David Geffen, how he like rose in like the music industry, and how you like okay. lie, cheat, and you know, kick down doors. <laughs> uh, anyways, so 
So I got that volunteer spot. They wanted me to volunteer for like an hour and a half. I ended up volunteering for the whole weekend. And um, through that, I ended up meeting the people that organized the festival. And the guy who I met was like, hey, like, you know, we organize the festival. We're not a record label, but we have, like, we're like a PR company. Are you looking for an internship in PR? And I was like, well, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm like, I am looking more for like label or like agency management experience. And anyhow, so the guy was like, you should come in for a meeting and meet like the managing director of this label. And I was like, sick. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to that interview and they just offered it to me. Wow. Which was which was cool. Very tiny label in a very tiny city, but they took a chance on me and it gave me confidence. It gave me like a sense of purpose in the industry. I was learning a lot. I was doing like, you know, just you know, getting coffees for, <laughs> for someone at the company, not for me. I mean, you got to start uh, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I remember like, oh, they gosh. sent, yeah, we had to like rebuild like their, their, recording studio and like they just needed like a guy that was like a gopher you know willing to do whatever and for free and sometimes they'd like buy me a beer or something at shows and anyhow so like that, that caught my feet in the door like how in terms of networking how do you form those relationships when you were spamming those people because initially in everybody's career they don't know how to network professionally it, they go through struggles and obstacles and those highs and lows so how did you format your messages professionally to the point where you were able to gain these opportunities whether it was the volunteer opportunity or internships and then segueing into your professional career it's a good question so that in that instance when i was you know, spamming them on social media, I definitely wasn't building relationships, but people started to know who I was, right? Like the people who were running the internship section or the volunteers, they knew who I was. They were like, you're the annoying guy, but they didn't say it because they're British and they're really friendly. So, <laughs> um, but we all knew, <laughs> but they were like, oh, you're like that Canadian guy. Cause like now that now they heard my voice and I didn't sound like them. And I would, and you know, you, you have to be funny. You have to be memorable. Yeah. So what I would say to everybody is I moved here for this internship, mm. <laughs> you know, wow. even though it, it wasn't true, but like, then they were like, really? And I'm like, no, of course <laughs> not. But like, but I'm like, you know, it was silly. It was funny. Um, what else did I do? Like this specific, um, job or internship, whatever, unpaid labor. Um, I, my like they, they had me set up like the patch cords you know like, you plug them into like the guitars and the amps okay. and they set up the drum kits and stuff they had me do that at like a cafe which where like kind of like it wasn't like a regular music festival where it's like a field and there's like a bunch of stages they just like had a deal with like all like the cafes and bars and restaurants that like they'll have like you know like weezer cover band or like talking heads cover band or just like local talent performing and so I would set up like this cafe and what I was doing was I was looking at the, what is it? Like the list or like the lineup with like all the times and I was sitting there and I was jotting down who I thought was good and who I thought was garbage. And I just kind of made a list and I was like, well, all the good ones I'm going to keep together. And I did this over like the span of the weekend. And I was like, if I were to build my own bill, like my own lineup, who do I think should be like the opening act, the direct support, the headliner. Okay. And mm -hmm. So I thought this was like just like a fun activity for me to to do while I was watching show after show, mm -hmm. and um, 
I ended up sh that 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 was actually how I ended up meeting the owner of the festival, like the guy who organized the festival, because he came over to me in that moment. Was like, "What are you doing?" Because he saw that I'm, he sees that I'm setting everything up, and he sees I'm jotting these things down. He was just watching me, and I had no idea. And he's like, "So what are you doing?" And I explained it to him, and he was like, "That's very impressive." So that was that was something that I did just for fun, that I thought was like a cool exercise for myself that someone else saw value in. So that helped me immediately build a relationship with this guy, and that was very much right place, right time. And、um, would you say、yeah. going that extra step, doing those tasks like on the side on the weekends, kind of helped as a person, kind of made you stand out, especially like in a competitive internship program. You kind of have to do more than just the nine to twelve tasks, basically getting coffee or doing the faxing. Hundred percent. Hundred percent, yeah. Because if you're gonna, if if you're lucky enough to get that internship, you need to be the best person. You need、mm -hmm. to be memorable. You need to be around. You can't just be putting your headphones in and just like slapping away at like Ableton on your computer. Like、mm -hmm. people, people will remember that for two hours, and they'll be like, "Oh, that's the guy I don't want to do my tasks."、Yep. You need to be the guy who's ready to like eat shit. You know, like what I was doing at my first when I got like my first, I'll say like my first real internship in the music industry. I had already done that first internship at I'm Not from London Records. I'd volunteered at the Hockley Hustle to get that internship. Then I came back with experience, international experience, <laughs> right,、um, in the UK. And then I came back to Canada, and I had been like. Using LinkedIn to get as many meetings as I could, you know, sending out like hundreds of messages a week to get like two or three replies, which is exactly what you need to do if you don't know anyone. Like, sure, if, How if Howie Mandel is like your uncle, then yeah, you're you're set. You know, you can get in or like or like slash like babysat you or something. But like, most of us don't have that. So if you're more like me and didn't know anyone, then that's something that you got to do. You know, you, you got to blast out a lot on LinkedIn, and then just take all the meetings that you can. And you know, it, whether it was like someone's coming into Montreal when I was living there, and they're there for like a day and a half, you try to get like even if it's like a six thirty a.m. breakfast with them, you show up and you show up early to make sure that like you're sitting at that table, and they're just like, oh, the kid was early, because they'll remember if you were early if you were there before them, just the same way that they'll also remember if you were late,、mm -hmm. right? So these are things that you have to think about. It's your brand. It's your personal brand as you as you walk through this industry, because you always want to be the person that comes to mind when people are like, "Well, I'm looking for an assistant, or I'm looking for an intern, or I'm looking to hire a coordinator or a day-to-day -day manager for my new band that you know we that, that that's blowing up." You want to be the person that when all the talking heads come together in a room, that they bring up your name. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You always need to make a great first impression because if you're late, it comes off sour to the taste. Lose that professional contact, and word gets around a lot in this business. It's a big yet small business. Very so, tight knit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so after you graduated college, you learned all those. Oh gosh, I remember learning. I took one accounting class, and I learned the debits and credits. So after you learned all that stuff. What was your first role in the industry? What were your day-to-day -day responsibilities, and how did you start off in that role? And what was that experience like? Any pros and cons? Okay,、uh, yeah. So I'd say like my first, like my first like real role, right, was like that internship and like kind of like doing some of that stuff that I was talking about with England. But 
when I came back to Montreal, um, so I told you I went out for breakfast with some guy at like 6.30 in the morning. That ended up getting me another internship unpaid two days a week at a sync licensing company where my responsibilities were like, uh, they had some deal with like Cartoon Network. They, they like license out small sections of songs for like the Adult Swim, like and they were doing um, like little like ads for like Adult Swim where they'd be like a little silly for uh, Cartoon Network's like Very adult cool. section. It, it, it was cool for me because like I liked Cartoon Network as a kid, but I had to just like go through a list and listen to the music and be like, are they complying with the contract they have with this non-exclusive sync licensing house? Or, is, or are they in conflict? And if so, how many conflicts do they have? And they were actually in conflict with many. So I had to like, which is kind of cool because then I, can, I was able to go to one of the co-founders who was general counsel at the company and be like, hey, like, you know, I found like 56 spots where they're like in breach of the contract. And that was kind of cool. Not my favorite internship though, because I didn't get a lot of tasks. I didn't take a lot of initiative. Um, and one of the most disheartening things was I was like, it's a, it's very much like a chicken and egg situation trying to get an internship in this in this space because you need to have experience and, or you need to know people. And if you don't have connections, then you, it's very hard to get experience at an internship if you don't have previous experience, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've probably experienced that a little bit too, Forbes, now, like when you're applying to stuff and... Yeah, I um, mean, in starting off in my career, I really had high hopes for entering this business and interning at the major record labels. And that didn't happen till two and a half, three years after I got some professional experience. And I, mm -hmm. like you said, you have to network and hustle or else you can't even get your first internship, even if it's paid, unpaid volunteer or part of a street team. Exactly, right? And and so I was just looking for unpaid work, pad up my resume, get some experience. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was at the whole the whole time also when it was getting tough, I was like, am I supposed to go back into accounting, right? Like I was like second guessing everything. And I guess like that was my fallback and it sounded terrifying because it's just, I, I hated it. <laughs> I knew that I wouldn't want to do that. So what I was doing on the side though, to get some extra experience, which, you know, you might not be able to do this to the same extent that I did because you know the current climate's a little different. But I found like DIY bars and like venues, like or like or bars that I said I could turn these into venues. And I started to I started like calling all these places and renting them out, grimy venues that would either rent to me for free or for like a couple hundred wow. bucks. Okay. And the little ones you could be really smart about, and you you organize your own show, like you handle all the ticketing. Um, I did only in person, like, or like I would hand tickets out to the artists and I was like, Hey, if you know people that want to come, like you could sell these tickets. And you know, they were like little mini promoters for the event. And depending on how many tickets they sold, they got like, you know, a better spot and like the lineup. Um, I knew an audio engineer who was able to, you know, do like the, you know, handle the technical aspects of the show. I had the artist literally come early to the venue. We were supposed to like open doors, I think at eight. And I had the, the guys come at like six and we like moved all the tables to the side and like we made like a little dance floor. Like it was fun and it was super DIY. And then I remember inviting out the people at that licensing company to come to the show. And like nobody came, even though I gave them like guest lists. And like that kind of, 
I was really bitter about it at the time, but I realized it's because I didn't take initiative. And so why would they give me tasks? Why would they care to get to know the intern? The intern needs to kind of show, use that opportunity that you're at that internship to shine. And, you know, you were asking me like what, my, what like my first job in the music industry was. It was at Crush Music, I will say. It was my okay. last internship um, that really kickstarted my career. I was working at Crush Music. They're a music management company, and um, they work with the likes of Fall Out Boy and Weezer and Green Day and Lord. And the list goes on. Yes. They're, yeah, they're they're a really great company um, filled with just rock star people, like yeah. rock star people that know how to do their job, but also rock star people just like in a personal sense. Really, nothing bad to say about that company. Just incredible individuals. And at this point, I had had a few internships, and I was just like. I feel like I didn't get a lot out of those internships, and I think the eye-opening thing about having that crummy internship in licensing was that I didn't put myself out there. So leading up to this internship, I set up meetings with people on LinkedIn or just people that I was able to get in touch with through like my my network um, that had successfully gone from Canada to the U.S. in entertainment. It was very specific: Canada to the U.S. in entertainment. That had had an internship that then sponsored them for a work permit. Very specific people I was targeting. I probably got like eight or nine of them on the phone, and I made like this little like internship playbook for myself of like what they said. I was like, "How do you stand out so much that they want to hire you? What can you do to hit the ground running on day one? Mm-hmm. You know, so that that sets you up so that you're not going to just waste time." Through the course of your six-month internship, because it's great. Sure, you can do an internship at, at a great company um, that looks good on on paper, but what's the use if after six months nobody remembers who you are? That's you know that licensing job. company they didn't even know who I was then when I was yeah. actually there. They, they probably have That's no idea scary. who I am now. Yeah. So you, you gotta know? maintain those professional relationships after. You can't just say. Goodbye. That's it. <laughs> well, you need you need to hit the ground running right from the get go. Make the、yeah. most use of your time to the point where they're like, "We want to keep you around. Let's either create a job for you, or hey, this is what we're thinking about. Can you do this? Like that they they see value in you, or that maybe they don't have something for you, but they're like, we want you to stay in the city or like stay in our network.、Mm-hmm. Yo, Roadrunner Records is looking for an assistant or. In my case, it was Webster Hall is looking for an assistant. They're pre- like a, the talent buyer's former assistant just got promoted to marketing director. So I was like, "Wow, okay." So people get promoted there. There's opportunity, and they were like, "You could work with this guy who's been like a legendary concert promoter in the tri-state area." And I didn't know much about concerts. You could ask Jake Lebeau about that. He'll tell you that I that I didn't go to that many concerts. But. <laughs> And, and and then I ended up working at Webster Hall as the assistant to the VP concerts, and、okay. eventually as like a junior talent buyer, and then that led to me getting to know everyone. Because when you're organizing shows, you're constantly giving out favors to, for people,、um, which is super important in this business. We could talk about that in a sec. But more than that, it's imagine you're throwing a house party every night. But the guests are always changing, and you're the only common link.、Mm-hmm. That's how I saw working at a venue, and you get to see agents, managers, artists. You get to you get to meet their production teams. The whole 360. You get to see everything, and and, and you get to meet their friends. You know,、mm-hmm. like 
I got to meet assistants and all of their friends, so it was a really good way to be social and get to know a lot of people in New York when I was just from Canada, didn't know many people. You know, it was a really, really great way to um, throw yourself into the scene and get to know everyone. And then especially when you're getting drunk with them or you're hooking <laughs> them up drinks or whatever they want or maybe somebody from one agency can't get tickets to a show but it's happening at your venue like you could hook them up you know what i mean yep that that's definitely true you you never know when you walk into that venue you never know who you're gonna meet and then that person might change your life as you exit that venue Mm -hmm. yeah coat check was a huge thing and i had an office in the building so if people didn't want to wait in line and pay ten dollars for coat check you know, wait in line at the end of the night. Like, if they knew me, I all I just put their stuff and I locked it away in my office. And you know, it, it just like, little things like this, or give them drink tickets. Hey, here's two drink tickets for you and your friend. Like, all these <laughs> little things that didn't cost me anything, but I had the access yeah. to do it. And then once you have all their coats, you know everybody's name. So it's a good memorizing skill, and always network through that. Hey, I took your coat. <laughs> Yeah, you've got the Canada Goose, you've got the Moose <laughs> Knuckles, exactly. You're, you're, oh, you're North Face, right? You're the pink North Face with the furry hood? Yeah, I got yeah. you. <laughs> so one of the things that you talked about in your bio is acquiring a U.S. visa sponsorship. So has that been a challenge for you professionally in this music industry, working in Canada, but a lot of the big major labels, the industry professionals are in the U.S.? And if so... What do you hope that this industry does in order to become more global? It's a great question. Most people don't actually ask me much about the visa, the visa stuff. It's um, not as applicable if you are American, right? Yeah. Um, I'd say most people that are studying in college in the States are probably American. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're Canadian studying in the U.S., then you're probably familiar with something called OPT. After you graduate, you get like a 12-month grace period where you can work pretty much wherever you want. In my case, that wasn't the case. So I had experience working in the UK. I knew that that would bode well for me in the future. So I kind of planned this out a few years in advance. So that was first bit of experience. So I got two little things on my resume from international experience and then (laughs) came back to Canada, organized my own shows. Then eventually I had that other internship that wasn't so great in Montreal that (laughs) Um, And then when I got to Crush, that was tough because I needed a company that was willing to bring me in um, and sponsor me in some way. And typically, in order for you to be sponsored, you need full-time employment from the company and you need to be be taking a salary. And they also need to show that for the job that you're doing, no one else can do it better than you. And that is very, very, very hard to prove when you're a new grad. So I once got Mike Karen from Warner Music Group, who's like the chief of creative now. He used to be like president of A&R for, I think, Atlantic Records. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, some big wig in the music business. I once ha- got access to like a webinar with him and like 20 other people. And I built a bit of a relationship with him and I got to ask him some questions over email. You know, we, we kind of moved everything over to email. And I asked him, I said, how can I get sponsored in the U.S. for an entry-level job? And he said, it's impossible. You won't. He's like, just get experience in Canada and then hope that someday you come over. And I was like, that's, I'm not, that's not acceptable. So um, I was like, with all due respect, I'm like, I'm, that's not going to be me. And so <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I'm, I need to get to the States and I need to get there now. 
Um, and so I just applied to, I'd say close to 500 jobs. Um, I started off full-time paid, then I looked at part-time paid, and then I started to go at full uh, part-time unpaid and then full-time unpaid. And then eventually from the full-time unpaid section, I think two companies got back to me. One of them was like a Greek theater that did like Gre exclusively like Greek shows. And they were like, do you speak Greek? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they were like, sorry, you're not Yikes. our guy. Yeah, they're like, you're not our guy. And so, and then Crush Music came and they were like, hey, you want to do an interview? And I didn't even, I couldn't even believe that it was real. I thought it was, I thought it was bullshit. And it was a super cool interview. And I explained to them up front. They were like, they said to me, do you know that this is full-time unpaid? And I said, yes, I'm willing to relocate from Canada to New York. I said, on one condition. They said, what? I said, I found a company that is able to handle my visa paperwork. I said, I just need you to sign off on it, showing that it's like a traineeship. That it's like an internship with the intention that I'm going to be putting this towards my career. And they said, okay, that sounds simple enough, as long as we don't have to pay for it. So it cost me like, I don't know, 1200 bucks or something with the other company. And then I had Crush sign off on the paperwork, and that got me that got my foot in the door. And then, when I whenever you switch jobs, until you eventually get a green card, whenever you switch jobs, you need to be sponsored again. Um, in I'll say most cases. So when I worked at Webster Hall, I needed to get a different kind of visa. Um, so I was brought in uh, as an economist, like a music economist, and this is where my accounting background actually came in handy because <laughs> I had a degree in accounting, <laughs> and so. I just did a little bit more analytical work at the concert venue. Okay. And then I did the same thing when I worked as an agent. You know, I, they, they, my official title was Director of Financial and Strategic Partnerships or Director of Financial and Strategic Operations um, at Artist Group International, which like that was like for my visa. And like, you know, we, we massaged like what my, what my tasks would be like and mm -hmm. so that it worked out for, you know, legal purposes. Do you have any advice to share with others on the media industries becoming more tech centric and also digital media centric? Do you have any ways uh, that you would recommend for students to engage either with digital media to learn more about the industry or to inquire about the intersection between music and tech? Um, 100%. Man, Forbes, like everything is going more and more towards tech. Mm. My last role, my last few roles have been more in the music and tech, um, like right at the intersection. Mm -hmm. Like I just worked at Tradable Bits. They're doing some really cutting edge technologies in the entertainment and sports industries around fan engagement. That all falls under Web 2.0. Where the future is going is in Web 3.0. Um, which is anything that has to do with blockchain, the metaverse, you know, when you hear about NFTs and cryptocurrency. Um, I think that if you want to work at the intersection of entertainment and all of that, you need to be, like, now is the time to be learning. Really, months ago, if not years ago, was the time to be learning about this stuff. But if you're only hearing about this today on this podcast, then you need to be brushing up on you know where do these communities live you need to be going on twitter and following people on twitter and asking a lot of questions and just trying to learn and be a sponge and soak up as much as you can because nobody really knows where the future of that space is right now there are a few people that are really spearheading a lot of projects where they think mm -hmm. the, the industry is moving to 
Right now, NFTs are all the craze. Get involved in that, you know? Whether it's minting your own NFT or, you know, working with designers to help artists mint their NFTs, setting up websites for NFTs, whatever it is, like whatever it is that you like or your, where your interest lies, like that's where you got to be because you want to be prepared and have the right network of people so that when there is like a new move and a new piece of this Web3 space, that's where you want to be. You, you need to be well-educated and you need to know the right people so that way you could be one of the first people into something like Dogecoin, you know? <laughs> there were people that were buying that in 2017 or 2016 uh-huh. when, you know, and those are the people that made a ton of money in the space. And if you have a little bit of money in the space, then you can reinvest. You can reinvest into yourself. You could reinvest into the projects that you believe in, into the people you believe in. And that's how you really become part of the ecosystem. But if you don't have that money yet, spend time. Yeah. Yeah. Absorb and spend time learning, whether it's taking a certificate program, just online webinars, meeting with people, networking, etc. You learn from networking, too. So you created your own podcast called The First Act Podcast. So tell us a little bit more about what the premise is, what types of guests have you interviewed? Um, Yeah, so I'm the creator of The First Act Podcast. First Act started off as a technology company, actually, um, with my friend Anthony Castrio. The two of us banded up together. Um, when he was living in Montreal briefly, we met up at, we met at some tech startups, tech um, startup meetup groups, and we ended up coming up with this idea to build a recommendation platform for first acts for concert venues. So the intention was to find the opening bands for concerts that were touring through different cities. And that was all great and, and dandy, you know, we, we had... <laughs> We had about 20 clients that were, wow. you know, some were paying, some were not, you know, beta testers, we were going through iterations mm-hmm. and, and then pandemic hit and we just saw the writing on the wall. And so we pivoted it and I pivoted to my podcast. He has his own tech webinar and his own community in the tech space. And so we work closely, you know, behind the scenes, but share a lot of ideas so that we can grow both of our communities. And the first stack podcast was a vision that I'd been wanting to do, to realize for a little while now. It was all around how to educate, you know, teenagers and students and anybody who's looking to pivot their career into the entertainment space. Because, you know, I was having all these great conversations with individuals and I realized, unlike accounting, the music industry, there's no clear cut path. You know, to be an accountant, you go to get your bachelor's degree, you get you do like a grad diploma or whatever it is, like a certificate as a CPA, and then you write your exams, you have to do it X amount of hours, and then you're an accountant. And you could be an accountant and you could just do that. And you can get your salary and it's a very cushy job. Boring, but cushy. Um the music industry doesn't work like that. You can't just get a bachelor's degree or a master's or a PhD in music and just work in the music industry and do whatever you want. Like, it's just, it's not how it works. You need to know a lot of people. And that's something that I learned through talking to people. So what I wanted to do with the podcast was just start recording my conversations with people that I found interesting over time. So it started just with some friends of mine that I'd either worked with or spoken to or, you know, um, helped them get a job or they helped me get a job. People that thought in a similar way to me that, you know, it's all about giving back and it's all about relationships. 
So that's sort of where the podcast started. And then and you asked what kind of guests we've had. We've had people from artist managers, talent agents, concert promoters, music marketing experts, uh, TikTokers that have per- personally grown their own channels, people in the NFT space, um, Web3. We're starting to do more Web3 now on the podcast. Even how to make a living as as a merch guy on tour with art with uh, going on tour with bands, you know, you'd have you have no idea how much money you can make <laughs> as a merch guy, more um, than you'd ever make working as an A and R coordinator or an A and R manager. Trust me. E-commerce is so huge in the music business; it's unbelievable. Yeah, there's so that's that's really what it was. I, I wanted to expose awesome. people to what the different roles were in the music industry and. Um, you know, the questions that they might be afraid to ask or, you know, get people on the podcast that maybe some of these students might not have the the network to reach out to so that everybody can share in this knowledge. That's very cool that it's very accessible. It's very diverse and dynamic, and it includes a lot of entrepreneurs to TikTokers to agents and it's very eclectic. So check out the first act podcast on Anchor. And to wrap things up, I want to hear more about your feature in Weezer's music video. Tell us what you did there and what that experience was like. Um, I wish I could say that Rivers Cuomo hand selected me, but <laughs> that was that was not the case. Um, it's a silly story. So I told you that I made like that little internship playbook so that I can figure out yeah. how to hit the ground running, right? In in my internship at Crush, because I was like, this is the one I don't want to screw up. Mm-hmm. So I get there, and um, I think it was day. So I, I I had an apartment with my girlfriend at the time, but she wasn't in town. So I ended up living on my brother's friend's friend's floor. It was on an air mattress, but the air mattress had a hole in it, so it was just a floor. Floor. Um, so I wasn't sleeping much, and I was getting into into the crush offices super early, and they started giving me a key. And people noticed that I was like one of the first ones in the office, and I was like, "Well, this is cool." Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up becoming friendly with the one of the guys who did creative at Crush, and they were like. He said, oh, we're going to be shooting a Weezer music video, but keep it quiet. He's like, if you can keep a secret, um, I'll let you gather like the props for it. And so he gave me a credit card. I was like, of course. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to tell any of my friends that we're releasing a video, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, we need some king outfit. We need like um, a bunch of like fake money, like doubloons and stuff, like coins. We need like a crown we need like a, a big cane with jewels we needed like a guy who's going to dress up as a security guard i had no idea what we were going to be shooting <laughs> um but he's like so after i got everything he was like he's like we need a bunch of bags of chips i was so confused and so he's like after i got everything you know i didn't even ask if i could watch like you know i got up for bed like an intern's like hey can i watch this <laughs> Um, I didn't even think about it. You know, I was like, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't even think to ask. I was just trying to help out. And anyways, he goes, do you want to come watch us shoot it tomorrow? Meet me at Times Square at five in the morning. And I was like, okay. So I meet him five o'clock in the morning. And I met this guy like two days ago, right? I'm new in this city. I don't know anybody. Um, I meet him at five o'clock in the morning and we take the train together to Coney Island. And he said, bring a sweater. Bring a sweater. 
we ended up shooting the music video. Uh, it was King of the World by Weezer. Um, and we're there, and he just goes, so now that we're out here, he's like, we actually need somebody else to be in the video, so are you chill to just, like, I was already all the way out there. It was like an hour and a half away. And he's like, "We need. We can you be in the video? And I was like, can I? Yeah, fuck yeah. So <laughs> I was all excited. Of course, yeah. And my role in the video is I get shoved. It's the middle of January. I'm supposed to pretend like we're on a beach in L.A. And it's all shot in black and white in like one shot. And then mm. it's slowed down. And uh, there's one part where the, this guy was dressed up as a king who's like kind of just like the, there's a girl next to him on the bench. She grabs her chips and then, he, then she starts running away. And he's just like some like homeless looking dude who's like dressed up as a king. Mm. And he comes up to me and I'm just like looking at some papers and he shoves me and my papers go everywhere. So he's just being a jerk. Like he's like uh-huh. king of the world. He's like this king of the world. And so we shot it so many times because it was just in one in one shot. And so eventually, like I was like, you know, we had to pick up all these coins also every time. And so he shoves me so many times. So there were many takes that we had where I like roll over or like I'm very ex- exaggerated oh. a lot. You didn't have but a stunt double. I, I should have. <laughs> I should have because. We recorded this, and if you look at the video, he just, like, nudges me, and I, like, very slowly, like, move papers. <laughs> and oh, it was my man. worst take. And we get back to the office. They do all the editing, and that, that was the one that they chose to use, the, the one where I, wor- I looked the worst, but everyone else looked great. <laughs> and I, I remember following uh, Dan Crutchkow out for lunch. Like, you know, you're trying to. Dan Crutchkow is like the CMO of the company, and I'm like trying to like get, grab some FaceTime, right, so that people remember you and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in the elevator with him, and I'm like, "Hey, Dan, did you catch the uh, the Weezer music video? Like, did you did you see like I had like a little feature in it?" And he's like, "Yeah, I saw it." I was like, "What do you think?" And he's like, "I think you were the worst part." <laughs> oh man. And and we both had a good laugh. It was funny. Um, he bought he bought <laughs> he bought me a hot chocolate, which was nice. Um, but it was we spoke about it. He's like, yeah. He's like, you just were the le- the least believable in the whole video. And I was like, you know what? At the time, I was just like, I was kicking myself. But I was like, you know what? It's a good thing to be remembered by. You know, I was the worst part of that video. So whenever I'd see Dan, I'd be like, remember you said that I was the worst part of this video. You know, you know what I mean. You want to be memorable. So of any course. opportunity that you have, whether it's positive or negative, try to make it memorable and try to have fun because this is a fun industry. If you're not looking for a fun industry, go work in finance. You know, <laughs> go be a lawyer, go be an accountant. You know, that's this—that's what this industry is all about. It's about working with the people that bring each other up, bring each other together, share community, share great ideas. That's what I like to bring to this industry. So. You know, it's it's not about the money. It's it's just about the people. Yeah, people is an important thing when choosing a different sector within the industry. You always got to consider what types of people can lift me up, what types of people can I lift up, and help to grow a stronger community. That's such a great way to end this podcast. That's so cool that you interned at Crush, and then that opportunity you got to be in a friggin' music video. That's wild. So, yeah, man. Day four goes to show you four. hit the ground running. Hit the ground running. You don't don't wait. Don't wait until the fifth month or something or third month of your internship. I, I told myself if they didn't offer me a job by the third month, I would show up every single day to work in a suit 
which I started to do. And, and they were like, why are you in a suit? Who died? Because nobody wears a suit in the music <laughs> business. And I said, I'm interviewing at other places. I haven't, I haven't heard Ooh. you guys offer me a job yet, so I'm interviewing elsewhere. You know what they said? What did they say? Who can we introduce you to so that we can help you get a job? Uh, see, you got to be unique in this business or else you'll sink or swim or it's like quicksand. If you don't think three months ahead, two years ahead, five years ahead, you're going to fall in that sand in the desert. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very true. Whoever told yeah. you that's a bright individual. Any last parting words before we wrap up? Um, I just want to reiterate, guys, like Web Web 3 right now is booming. It's the place that you should be keeping an ear to the ground. I wish I took this advice when I was in college, when I was your age, like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, um, to focus more on the tech space. Think about the opportunities between tech and the entertainment industry, because the music industry it's an industry, but it's a much smaller subsect of a creator economy, which is being completely invaded by tech. So there's yeah. so much opportunity outside of the music industry where you can make a huge difference inside of the music industry. Yeah, check out the intersection of Web3 within the tech, entertainment, and especially the music industry, but as a broader scope, the entertainment industry. Thanks, Harrison, for being on this podcast. Check out his platform on Anchor called The First Act Podcast. It's available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And wishing you all the best in your newest endeavor and successes. Thanks for having me, Forbes. This has been so much fun. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and coolest, I mean coolest, upcoming episodes that you will hear. Email at Media Industry Guru Podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know I'm I'm doing this. I'm invested in this. And tune in weekly 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on the Anchor app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and many more streaming platforms. Thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll.